There is such BS right now online that says a high value woman means that she needs to be submissive in a relationship. Or a high value woman is someone who is not independent. What? Today, guys, we're going to talk about what actually is a high value woman. Spoiler alert, we all freaking a high value. But let's get into it. A high value woman doesn't need a man. Guys, you don't need a partner. You want a partner, but you don't need a partner. A high value woman knows that she's got her own freaking back. Now, this is one of those moments where I was the person, I'd been married at this point for about 10 years, and I thought I needed my husband. Now, guys, I'm telling you, as the person who's still madly in love with her husband, I came to the conclusion that I don't need him. I'm going to tell you a little story that's going to hammer this freaking point home. It was about six years ago. My gut was in total disarray. I was having really, really, really freaking bad health issues. And so one day, I'm in the middle of a photo shoot. I'm not telling anyone that my health is really bad. And in the middle of the photo shoot, I hold my side because I'm getting the worst freaking stomach cramps you can possibly imagine. So of course, surprise, surprise, as women, we get a little embarrassed. I started to get shameful over the fact that I was in pain in front of other people. So of course I excused myself. I wouldn't do that now, but that was definitely how I was back then, where I was embarrassed and shamed by the gut issues that I was having. So I run upstairs, because it's in my house, I run upstairs and I fall to the floor. I'm clutching my hip. I'm in so much agony. I fall to the floor. Knees, floor, face, cold tile, in the bathroom. I'm in so much pain that I pick up my phone and I'm like, I need my husband to come and help me. I need my husband to come and help me. I need him to come and help me because I couldn't get back up. And in that moment, I'm calling him. I'm calling him. I'm calling him. He doesn't answer. So here I am in this moment where I'm literally knees on the floor thinking that I can't get up because I need someone to come and rescue me. Now, in that moment, because he's not answering, I've got two choices. Number one, I can stay on the floor. Number two, I can realize I'm the freaking hero of my own life and I can get the F up. And so, in that moment, I realized I don't need my husband. I want my husband, but I don't need him. Lisa, you are your own freaking hero. Get up right now and show yourself what you're made of. And guys, what did I do? I got the hell up all by myself. And that was the moment. I'm so madly in love with my husband. But that was the moment that I realized that I want him. I do not need him. So homie, right now, let's change that language that you're using where you feel like maybe you need someone to be complete. You need someone to fill you up. You need someone to help you get back up. The beautiful thing, guys, is you don't need them. You're capable of doing it yourself. All right, now, one other thing that I want to add on this very topic. Isn't it the most beautiful thing that there are 7.2 billion people in the world or something like that, and you choose to want to be with this person? Guys, let that sink in for a second. That is the most beautiful thing that you can actually say to your partner. It's what I said to my husband, babe, I don't need you. But I just reminded him that even though he doesn't like to hear it, here's another way to think about it. 
Isn't it better that I'm with you because I want to be than out of necessity? Think about it. There's 7.2 billion people in the world, and yet I want to be with you. Guys, that is so freaking romantic. I love that. And my girl, Sarah Jakes Roberts, explains why a partner must be additive to your life, not taken away from it. Let's hear from her. We're not qualified to be in a relationship until we realize what I need a person in my life for. What is the best value and purpose that someone can bring into my life as it relates to partnership? But to ask those questions of myself, where are my deficiencies? Where are my insecurities? And how can I be a better lover of my own soul? How can I take better care of my own being so that I am not depending on someone else to be my confidence and my support and my hallelujah and my amen? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want someone to have to bring everything. If you bring it, it's great, but you're just going to add to the voices that are already in my own soul because I've learned to do the work for myself. Yeah, I, I love that. And I heard you say something like, well, when I met someone, it was, well, hang on, I love myself. Am I willing to change my own life to allow this person to come in and disrupt it? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt when I met my husband. Yeah. Because I everything, like, I had finally done the work. I was, like, taking care of myself. I was fine. You couldn't tell me nothing, okay? And he came into my life, and I'm like, he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good. I was like, how good is he? Like, are you going to leave you alone to be with him? And I was like, he could upgrade you. You might want to move on over there. And so I definitely moved over there. But I had to really ask that question because I'd finally learned to protect my space and my energy and my growth. And I wanted to know that whoever I was inviting into my space could continue to cultivate the garden of who I am. And my husband told me on our first date that he felt like his purpose was to create an environment for me to flourish. A high value woman has self-esteem. And this self-esteem, guys, must be built within yourself. I used to be there. The second I was looking outside of myself, the second I was looking to my husband to make me feel good about myself, the second I did that, I realized I was actually putting my power into his hands. Imagine he has a really bad day. Imagine he has a really, really bad day. And now I'm sitting here waiting for him to make me feel good about myself for him to say something that's going to give me high self-esteem. You can imagine how fragile that is. So homies, we build our self-esteem within ourselves. Now look, it ain't freaking easy. I'm not even saying it is. And there are some days where, I'm just gonna be honest, I freaking fail and my self-esteem isn't that great, but I don't beat myself up over it. I just know that every day I'm going to do something that becomes an incremental step towards building my self-esteem. And that very first thing that I need to know is that I bring it to myself, that I cannot look externally to my partner or a loved one to bring it to me. Because let's face it, if I can't love myself, how can I expect other people to love me? Like I said, that's, very e that's easier said than done. So the key here is to come up with a strategy and a game plan on how on earth you're going to build that validation within yourself. I've got a chapter in my book of Radical Confidence where I say validation is for parking. Because guys, you cannot, I'm just going to freaking repeat it, you cannot wait for other people to validate you. Because if you do, you're putting the power in their hands. And let's face it, now your self-esteem is freaking breakable. And the whole point of a high-value woman is we are unbreakable. All right, so how do you become unbreakable? So number one, guys, is you have to recognize 
Who is the person that you turn to for that validation to build your self-esteem? Identify the people. Maybe it's your partner, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a boss. Write that down. Now next to it, I want you to write down what type of validation they give you. So, for instance, if it's your boss, it's like, oh, my boss, when they pat me on the back for doing a good job with a project. All right, so now you've identified the person and you've identified the, uh, the time. Same with a partner. When do you turn to your partner for that self-esteem? Maybe it's when you go out on a date and you've dressed up and you're not actually confident with how you look. And now you turn to your partner to get the self-esteem and to tell you you look beautiful. All right, guys, this is with no judgment, with no shame. You're just taking an inventory. And this inventory says the who and the what. Okay, now what you do is the what right? So I feel good about myself, I feel pretty, or I'm doing a good job at work. And now what I want you to do is come up with a way that you can bring that to yourself. So for instance, if it is a job and a project, before you even start the project, what you're going to do is write underneath it, what are the things that you are going to be proud of if you achieve? Make it binary. So you can even say, I'm going to be really proud if my project is producing a YouTube video and my goal is for this video to get 20,000 views. All right. Now, you work hard, you show up every day for your own metrics, for your own reasons, and then at the end, do you actually hit it, yes or no? So now what you do is you look at that goal that you set, you looked at how you were going to assess whether you would feel good about yourself or not, and now you have a North Star. And now you know if you get there or if you do it, you can feel good about yourself and that comes from you. Now the same even when it comes to looks, guys. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm gonna say what makes me feel good about myself. So I've identified that I wanna feel pretty. I've identified that I want my husband to tell me I want to do, be pretty. I've identified that waiting for my husband to tell me that I look pretty is a mistake. And now I know I have to personally fill this hole and not wait for my husband. Okay, so how do I do that? I start to identify what makes me feel pretty, what makes me feel gorgeous, what makes me feel sexy? Me, because what your, your list may be very different to mine, guys. So that's why this is a moment where you're just gonna sit there and start looking. And this isn't a judgment thing. This is a honest to God, what actually makes you feel good? And for me, I'm just gonna say, it's when I got my braids in, I feel good. When I've got my tight pants on, when I've got pink. All these things make me feel good. It's not about my husband. It's not about my husband telling me that I look, look good, which by the way, I'm not gonna dismiss. I still really like. That's important to acknowledge, guys. But it, I don't rely on him to make me feel good. I now have my list of things. When I put my jewelry on, I love my jewelry. That's part of what makes me feel good about myself. So. Now you've got your tactics, guys. Now you've got your step-by-step. -step. And now my girl, Elle Ross, actually explains what confidence really is. So, you know, a lot of people misunderstand confidence and they think it's an outward bravado, like uh, you and I can perform and be in front of people and this is performance confidence. That is not necessarily confidence because sometimes the quietest people in the room are confident. So when I talk about confident as F, I mean inside and outside. Let's talk about what it truly is. It's an overall sense of feeling like you're going to prevail. 
feeling comfortable with yourself at any given time, alone in a room, walking into anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that confident people don't have moments, but those moments are so fleeting and so quickly and self-talked out that they're not lasting and you know seeping away at your soul. All right, so what are the things that you've noticed confident people do have? You know, there's several. So confident people are often the most authentic. They don't give a shit about what other people think of them. That's the ultimate in not caring about what someone's opinions are of you. Um, they are also, uh, they're kind. Confident people are often more successful. Um, they prevail because they, it never hurts to ask. They're not afraid to speak up. If you don't mm. speak up in life, from the bedroom to the boardroom, you're not going to get what you want. So a confident person will admit <clears throat> either shortcomings or moments where they, they need to learn something. They also, it, it's really interesting, confident people on so many levels take any kind of challenge or hit as a lesson. They don't internalize it and beat themselves up. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So confident people will often get through these challenges. It's, it's a very like primal ancestral thing, back to like the first book I wrote, Paleothyroid Solution, talking about ancestral health. But listen, we need to be valued by a tribe. You can be a confident mm. person and just be a wonderful friend, mm. okay, to mm. people and be loved and valued. My book is not meant to be like, go out and be a badass. You can be a wonderful, confident, stay-at-home wife, but guess what? You might have to stand up to some kid's mother at that PTA meeting. You're gonna need confidence for that. You're gonna need self-esteem for that. You still are need, you need to navigate through life with this or you're not going to get what you want. And people want to be around confident people. The one thing that I've learned is, first of all, they're most admired, uh, not just because of their authenticity, but confident people often get shit done. When I used to be an employer, I would rather hire a confident individual than someone who actually had the skill set and not the personality. Because confident people are proactive. You know, they take on situations you know that they're confident in their ability to learn a thing even if they don't know it. But one of the pitfalls, there's pitfalls of confident people, I had it too and a lot of alpha females do, which is the pitfall of feeling like vulnerability or showing any kind of weakness is out of the question, mm -hmm. right? The last thing a confident alpha woman or man wants to feel is that they are weak in any way. But I argue in the book that being open and being okay with vulnerability is actually confident as fuck because it is the utmost in not caring about what other people's opinions of you are, even showing true emotions. We're human beings, right? You know. Mm -hmm. So for many, many years, I didn't want to see anyone to see that I had any kind of weakness whatsoever. But what that does is it removes you from people and prevents you from being accessible because when you're inaccessible, you're detached from other people, relationships are not as close, people feel like you're inaccessible. So they, they want you to do the job, they trust you in an emergency, but we're kind of inaccessible and that doesn't fare well for personal relationships mm. and romantic relationships. A high value woman has a growth mindset. A growth mindset just allows you to be able to be open to change. A growth mindset allows you to take negative feedback and see the positive in it. A growth mindset's ego doesn't get dented when someone tells you that something is wrong. So, guys, in a freaking relationship, let me tell you, there are going to be many times that your partner isn't going to be happy with you. In a relationship, there are going to be many times when your partner's going to come and tell you that you've done something wrong. In a relationship, your partner's going to come and tell you all the ways, in many different ways, all the ways that they're not happy. If, let's face it, if you want to be with someone for the rest of your life, these discussions are going to happen. And let me tell you, these discussions suck. They're never pleasant. 
I can say that after 20 years of marriage. I still don't like those conversations where your partner is telling you when they feel like you've hurt their feelings, that they're upset with you, or that you've done something wrong. And so a growth mindset is so imperative when it comes to a high value woman, because we know that we can hear the truth. We know that we can adapt. We know that we can grow and change. That who you see today, this woman that you see right now, is not gonna be the same woman in a year, in two years, or in five years. And that is amazing because we all value growth. We value growing with a partner. We value growing in our business. We value growth in our mindset. And so a high value woman knows that it still sucks when someone tells you a mistake you've potentially made. But we also know that that's going to be our freaking superpower, that we're gonna take our growth mindset, we're gonna take the feedback, and we're gonna get more freaking badass with it. A high value woman has a self-care routine. Guys, I know it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. You got to, you just have to put on the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help everyone else. I know it's cliche, but let me tell you, I learned the freaking hard way. I spent years and years and years on the grind for Quest Nutrition. Years and years and years on the grind for building a business and trying to show up and be a freaking badass. And I thought the more hours, the more time I put in to my business, the more important I would feel. Oh, I didn't expect those words to actually come out of my mouth in real time, but it's true. I felt like the more I grinded, the more work I put into something, the more accolades I would get, and the accolades would make me feel more important. Now, the horror to this is that, of course, that strategy didn't work. And flash forward, my health went to total crap. My gut literally felt like it fell apart. And now, for the last six years, I've been trying to get my health back on track. Now, why do I bring this up? Because a high-value woman actually knows to stop sacrificing for everybody else. We know that we have to take care of ourselves first and that we know that oxygen mask is freaking important. Because guys, let me put it this way. When my gut, like I said, fell apart, I'm just gonna give you a little rundown of what that actually means. My stomach was protruded out to here for months. This was protruded. I couldn't stand up Literally, I couldn't stand up. What you see me doing now, it wouldn't have been possible. I couldn't stand up for more than five minutes at a time because the gut, the pressure was so painful. I couldn't wear a bra for over six months because the pressure around the stomach was so painful. My hair, I had the big thick Greek hair. My hair started to fall out. My nails become bri became brittle. I was that sick. So now let me paint you the picture. Do you think someone who didn't take care of herself that ended up like that could even cuddle her husband? Let alone be intimate, let alone show up in that relationship, happy, excited, energized, full of life. No, I showed up in that relationship, miserable, extremely hormonal, sad, in pain. And on top of all of that, I felt guilty. It wasn't my husband's fault, it was me. It was my own self, the narrative in my head. 
but I felt guilty that I couldn't be intimate with my husband. So talk about the straw that broke the camel's back. I was already struggling. And on top of that, I had the guilt aspect too. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So you better freaking believe when I stand here right now and I tell you guys that self-care is absolutely one of the top freaking pillars that a high value woman can have. It is because I speak from experience. It is because I know you cannot show up in your relationship. You cannot show up in your business. You cannot show up as a friend or a boss or a teammate. If you don't take care of yourself first. And my girl, Shailene Johnson, shares exactly why it's so important to set clear priorities to take care of yourself. Let's check her out. First of all, my attention, I have ADD, so I want to do everything. Everything seems like a great idea uh, (laughs) and a new idea. And um, I love people and I love to make money. So like all these things are really detrimental to someone who needs to stay grounded. Um, So we started by creating together, my husband and I, 
what we call the priority clarity statement. Ooh. And I think people say, well, my family's my priority or this is my priority. What we like to do is go in this season of our lives, what area do it, that's really important to us is the most off and we need to get it right. And we write out the clarity. So like, what does that mean? What is it we're trying to right. honor? And what would be to dishonor it? So when this happened, we sat down and we made a priority clarity statement and, and it had great specificity that we were done working at 3 p.m. That we, um, we had people working in our home, but we, everyone had to leave at 2.45 before the kids came home from school. That we didn't work on the weekends. That every contract I negotiated, we would decline the contract if it was required of me to do a certain number of appearances. I would only do two appearances a year. Um, that we would only do a certain number of projects. That I would only do one what we call big thing a month. Mm -hmm. And a big thing might be to travel and speak. A big thing might be to just stay home, but I'm, I'm going deep into research. That's a big thing that takes me away. Mm -hmm. So we agreed we would only do one big thing a month that would take less than like three or four days. Mm -hmm. um, we had very specific policies on our children and, and each other. We had policies around dates. We had policies around conversations, money, um, everything and a lot of it was things was like wow that's gonna be hard but this what would be a lot harder is not being with you and not having this and that's where you started implementing these kind of rules let's say of yeah like, I'm only gonna work until three yep. um, how did you then weigh your options because I'm sure for someone that's used to work in 90 hours a week right and in your head it's like but if I don't work this much, I can't get the empire I'm trying to build. If right. I don't do this, how did you weigh those options? Of yeah. like, it probably did slow your business down, I assume. For sure, yeah. Um, how did you emotionally work through that? Yeah. Because it's something that I know a lot of people deal with, and especially even myself. Yeah. So once we had this, which I recommend people do, like create a priority statement in writing. Because every time an opportunity presents itself, you're like, well, this once. Mm -hmm. Well, this isn't going to happen again. You know, I'm only 25 once. Or, you know, we're only going to be in France once. Like you think these things like, well, and if we do this now, then later. So once we had a statement, it was, and I'm a yes person, it was so easy to go and read the clarity statement mm -hmm. and go, oh, it doesn't fit. It's so easy to say, thank you so much for thinking of me, but unfortunately I can't. And until then, every decision felt like a yes. And so I had to say, what's more important, my career? What is important to me? And it was in writing, you know, because I, I, I knew what it felt like to almost lose all that. Mm -hmm. And I, I can lose my business, take all my money away, take my car, take, take it all away. I can, I can build it back because I believe in myself. I believe in bun, abundance. Like it, my, the blessings are so abundant, they just keep raining down. Too much for me to deal with, I gotta give them away. So that's one thing I don't need to worry about, but what I do need to carefully covet and protect is my time, because I can't get more of that. Mm. And once we had the statement, it was like, wow, I know why I'm saying no. A high value woman has standards. All right, there's actually two parts to this. Number one, I don't want to be someone with low standards. And two, I don't want to be with someone with low standards. So let's take the first one. All right, me not wanting to have low standards. Because damn right, you better believe I've done the internal work and processed and refined and concretized what I deserve. I deserve to have someone that treats me well. 
I deserve someone to be respectful towards me. I deserve someone to say please. I deserve someone to say thank you. So, I don't think that necessarily is even saying high standards. To be honest, that's even just saying I have standards. And now, anyone who cannot respect those are actually someone that I don't want in my life. So I want to applaud us all for having standards. I want to encourage us all to have standards and emphasize why it's so freaking important. All right, now the second part, why do I want someone else with high standards? Because let's face it, if they don't have high standards and they choose to be with me, it's not necessarily saying much about me. So yes, I do want someone with high standards. I want someone to have a level of standards in a partner. I also want someone that can be great at setting boundaries. I think that's actually very healthy in a relationship. So being with someone that can actually encourage standards within yourself if you're struggling, it can actually be a plus, right? Now you have someone that not only has standards and chooses to be with you, but also has standards and can encourage you to help you set those standards. My girl, Faith Jenkins, who's a divorce attorney, reveals why having high standards for a partner leads to actually an incredible relationship. Let's take a look. I wanted to write this book because getting married after 40 years old and hearing all of these things over the course of the years about, you know, what are the possibilities? What are the chances? Well, when are you going to find love? All of these things. And then I end up meeting the most amazing man and... Uh, and everything that I wanted, everything that I've been waiting for when I met him, it was all worth it. Mm. So I wanted to write the book to say going through the peaks and the valleys and the lessons and the hurt and the pain and everything I learned from it, in the end, it was all worth it because I met the person who added all of the value and added the things that I wanted to add in my life. And I use the word add for a reason because I knew I was bringing a lot to the table and I wanted someone who was going to add to the happiness I already had. So when I met Kenny and we, we dated for six months before we got engaged, I just gone through a breakup the year prior to meeting him. It's easy to talk about, you know, the best is yet to come when you're not going through anything or, dreaming big about the future but when you're going through a breakup and you're going through that pain and that hurt i made a decision and i said i've learned all of these lessons this is the time that i will apply it to my life because this is really important now and so i took out a sheet of paper and i just wrote down what i wanted to see happen in my love life within the next year i was always really good about doing that in my career but I've never really done it in my personal life. Mm. So I took out a sheet of paper and I said, within the next year, I'm gonna meet my husband. And I wrote about the things that I would be attracted to in him, what kind of person he would be. And I took that sheet of paper and I put it in my nightstand and I looked at it every day. Now I wasn't out, you know, walking the streets every day looking for and saying, is that him? <laughs> you know, I wasn't doing that. But I expected that that would happen. And the second thing I did is I released that prior relationship. I didn't fight for it. I didn't hang on to it. I decided I will radically accept that this relationship is coming to an end and there's a reason for it coming to an end. I didn't, I was in pain. I was hurt about it, but I wasn't going to suffer through it. 
like mm -hmm. I did in the past. And I said, I'm going to let this go and I'm going to open myself up to meet my husband, the love of my life. And six months later, I was out taking voice lessons again. You know, I used to sing years ago and I was thinking, what, what can I do? What do I like to do? What are just some of the things that I really love doing? And I thought, I want to sing. I want to go out and take some voice lessons again. And so in the midst of doing that, I met with someone who works in music. My husband is a professional singer. I met with someone who works in music. We were just having lunch one day. I was not thinking this is the day that someone's going mm -hmm. to introduce me to the man I marry. I was just doing the things that I loved and going through life. And I met with a music producer and he said in that moment that he sat down with me, he knew that he wanted to introduce me to Kenny. And when he talks about the story, he said he went home to his wife that day and he said to her, I met someone who I want to introduce to Kenny, but I'm a little hesitant because I don't know her that well, just in a professional setting. But he was really good friends with Kenny and known him for 15 years. And she said, well, what do you think? What do you feel? And he said, I think they're perfect for each other and they should meet. And so he orchestrated us meeting. And so six months after I wrote that note that I was going to meet my husband, I went and had lunch with the man that I would marry a year later. A high value woman has ambitious goals and works freaking hard to achieve them. Very recently, my mum revealed to me that she actually gave up her career to have us kids and it was a career that she loved. She said that she loved it so much. She was so proud of herself. And yet when she fell pregnant, she believed because of our Greek culture that she didn't even have a choice. She believed that she had to give up her career. The thing that made her happy, she had to give it up in service of her family. Now guys, that freaking breaks my heart. That breaks my heart on so many levels. A, I understand it's so beautiful that she did that for us. But honestly, I also want to shake my mum. Like literally, I want to tell her, mum, don't give up what makes you you. If you had a goal, if you had ambition, it breaks my heart that you gave that up for other people, even your own child. And the truth is, guys, we have to make sure that we're doing things for ourselves, that we love our life so that we can bring that to our relationships so that we can bring that to our family now my mom god bless her she doesn't seem to have any resentment towards any of us for giving up that part of her life but now we live in different times and now all i can do is freaking encourage people encourage everybody to recognize that homie Having a job or a career or a goal and going after isn't freaking selfish. I'm going to repeat that. Having a goal and a dream and going after isn't freaking selfish. Because making sure that your heart sings so that you can bring that into a relationship, so that you can bring that into a partnership is only going to be good for the relationship and the partnership. And so we need to stop thinking about doing things for ourselves, like going after a goal or a dream, as being something that is wrong, as being something that's selfish. We've got to freaking debunk it. We've got to stop it. We've got to encourage each other to go after that thing that makes your heart sing and give you space to then come into this relationship, this partnership, this dynamic, happy. 
because you're not just living your life for the relationship. You're not living your life for this partnership or for, your, for everybody else. You're living your life in service of all of that, but primarily serving yourself first. That, my friends, is why ambitious, freaking hard-working badasses like yourself are high value. A high-value woman celebrates her achievements. Guys, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier about seeking external validation. You cannot just wait for other people to give you the pat on the back if you're not even willing to do it for yourself. I understand it's hard, and I understand maybe you come from a world like I did, where I felt like saying anything of my achievements was actually being cocky, was actually being arrogant. But the truth is, guys, can we just stop judging ourselves for a second? And can we just say the truth? The truth is, I started here. I struggled. I achieved this, and this was the outcome. Now, if you've done the hard work, if you've been the one that's gotten up every single time, fought through the struggle, overcame the obstacle, in order to get to the goal or order to get to the other side, Hells yeah, you should celebrate yourself. Hells yeah, you should get your bloody pom-poms out and say, I was the person that didn't know how and I was the person that figured it the F out. You need to be proud of that. And what ends up happening is by being proud of yourself, you may not have even succeeded. Let me just say that. You may have tried something, failed at it, but learned something. You can still grab your pom-poms. Because the truth is, you did it yourself. You went from point A to point B. Give yourself the pat on the back because what will end up happening over time is grabbing your pom-poms, doing the little mini wave, patting yourself on the back, actually physically pat yourself on the back, ends up being a stacking stone to your confidence. I'm gonna say that again. Giving yourself a pat on the back and grabbing the pom-coms and cheering for yourself will start building your confidence. So that is how, guys, that is how you're able to keep showing up despite failure because you're willing to cheer for yourself and in being willing to cheer for yourself, you start building the confidence. And every time you build the confidence, when you keep failing, you have more confidence to get back up. And that's right, homie, you're the person that takes a punch and gets back up. A high-value woman listens to her intuition and her gut feelings. All right, guys, evolution has a way of making sure that when danger comes, that you sense it before you even have time to think about it. Like, just think about that. Back in the day, back in cavemen, days, if you notice something or something happened and you've got that gut feeling, usually that saved your life. Usually that gut feeling's like, uh-oh, there's a lion, uh-oh, there's danger. And now it becomes actually life-saving. So guys, the ability to detect minor cues is embedded in us. That's our freaking superpower. We can spot danger, we can spot back in the day before there were actually doctors and you have a baby. You could sense the little micro expressions on your baby to know if there was something wrong. I think it's something like we have a fourth um, color receptor 
as we as in women, have a fourth color receptor. And I believe the studies show that the reason why is so that we can actually notice if your baby's skin color changed. Because by noticing the skin color changing, you could potentially save that child's life. All right, now we actually understand why we have gut intuition, why we have gut feelings, and the freaking power that that can hold. So, it used to get dismissed. We used to, I don't know about you, but we used to get made fun of. We as in women used to get made fun of, uh-huh, gut intuition. But it's true, I just broke down how and why. So the fact, the fact that we actually know where it comes from, we know that it's not freaking woo-woo, we know it's actually a sense, just like your eyes and your hearing. It's like called, I think, the sixth sense or something. I may have just made that up, but it should be if it's not. Because it's so powerful. So by listening to your gut, by training your gut, in fact, let me just pinpoint this. Guys, let's not fool ourselves. Gut intuition, it isn't just happenstance. Gut intuition actually comes from the entire life of your training of being alive. So lessons that you've learned, a rustle in the bushes, equaled you seeing that rustle, being a lion, eating your uncle. All right, now over time, after many years, maybe you saw that when you were one years old. So let me tell you, when you're 30 and you're still in the caveman days and you hear the rustle, that gut intuition that got trained, that remembers, oh, when we heard that, my uncle died. Now your gut immediately reacts because it doesn't have time to go from your gut to your brain. So you just go, oh my God, I've got a gut feeling, I need to run. That is why. So literally, it is a superpower. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I actually got a bit nervous about listening to my gut. There was actually one time, I was probably around like 13, 14 years old, and I was walking home from school. And I sense this car slowly following me. Now, what was the gut instinct? It was a car going really slow. You could hear the engine. And you're like, it doesn't seem to be stopping and it doesn't seem to be speeding up. So my gut immediately was like, hang on, is there something behind you that you need to take a look at? Now, I look at this car. There's a guy driving and he's looking at me. In that moment, guys, I actually remember this so vividly. I remember thinking, okay, that seems weird. But if I run, he's going to think I'm silly. I actually worried about what the guy in the car that I thought was dangerous was going to think if he was just like a dad picking up someone from school and now here I am running down the street. So for a split second, I started to doubt whether I should trust my gut instinct or not. Now I really remember thinking in that moment, okay, I've got two choices. I can listen to it and maybe be wrong, which let's face it, if I was wrong, I've actually got nothing to lose except for like, oh my God, that guy probably thought I was a bit silly running. Or I can listen to it and be right. And holy smokes, guys, you got a lot to gain by listening to that gut instinct. So let's face it, guys, when it comes to trusting your gut, when looking for the right partner, it is going to be one of the key superpowers you use in deciphering whether that person is right for you or not. So if you go out on a date or you've been with somebody and you start to get that gut feeling, that's what you need to listen to. It is your superpower and it is exactly how you will determine whether someone is right for you or not. Lean into it and recognize your superpower is exactly what makes you the high value woman that you are. Do men want independent women? 
Well, guys, if you're actually interested in the answer, then check out this most recent clip from an episode with my all-time favorite Women of Impact guest, my hubby, Tom Billu. So if you want to hear a very transparent conversation between us and his honest perspective on what men really want, then this is for you. Check it out. I'm going to start with deal with the world the way that it is, not the way that you wish it were. Now, on a long timeline, things change and all of that. And I think that over time, I actually don't know. So let me give you my stance and then I'll, I'll sort of walk you through. Uh, you, it, whoa, it's going to be interesting for you to hear me say this out loud because I've never said it like this. I married a housewife and I ended up with an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I love that you don't bat an eyelash. I mean, it's so, yeah. But you didn't think of yourself as a housewife at that point. And I didn't even think to think of you as, even though I actually wanted you to be more ambitious in the beginning and I found that really cool, I didn't know what that would become. And that's probably good because that transition ended up being very hard. So um, there is a reality to be faced. When they were casting Michael J. Fox, for there's a whole long story, but they ended up casting the woman first and then for, what? for Back to the Future. Yeah. And then uh, they had originally cast Eric Stoltz and then they ended up replacing him with Michael J. Fox. When they brought Michael J. Fox in, they ended up letting the woman go and recast her because they went around to everybody on set and to the women on set and said, do you think it's a problem that the girl is taller than the guy. And the women said, there's no universe in which a junior or senior in high school would date a guy that's shorter than her. Now, the financial success is like the new height. And there are some people, they just can't do it. A guy, some guys will not be okay, whether they should be or not, to me is irrelevant. Deal with the world the way that it is, not the way you wish it were. There are some guys that are gonna have a problem with that. So your dating pool shrinks to the guys that either are more successful than you. So the more successful they become, it's like becoming taller. And so now that if you're going after, you know, if a guy is going after women that need them to be taller, as they get shorter, their pool dates, doesn't make them a worse person, but it does mean that the dating pool gets smaller mm-hmm. for people that are okay. As women's income goes up and they become more successful, their dating pool shrinks of the number of guys that are gonna be okay with that, partly because of historical dynamics, uh, partly because of cultural influence, and partly, I'm gonna guess, because of just drivers that guys have from an evolutionary standpoint to um, want to lead is probably the right word. Them's are just, I'm just calling the facts. I'm not saying whether they should be or shouldn't be, just is. Yeah, and that's, I love that you started there because that's so important, right? That this is, whether you like it or not, this is the situation. And then it goes, what are you willing to accept? And the thing that we say in business and in partnership, there's a cost of doing business with anyone. And does that cost actually um, outweigh what you're getting? So when it comes to a partner, there's going to be something about your partner you don't like. There's going to be something that doesn't jive with you. There's going to be something where you butt heads. And then what is that thing that you're willing to accept? Um, And so in that situation, if you find someone and they are feeling um, it comes from massive insecurity, if I'm going to say, like, I just really... It's interesting. It isn't just that. It's not? It's not just that. 
you don't think that somebody who um, finds it intimidating to be with a woman that is making more money than them, that is in a high position than them, that is 100% comes from an it's insecurity. Not. God, this is going to be interesting. We're going to need a long time for this. I want to be very clear. I'm thinking out loud. Yeah. And I hope everyone will give me the grace to think out loud and to explore this subject. I'm not telling people how to live their lives. But I will say this. I love that I am bigger and stronger than you. Mm -hmm. And that gives me something. Right. It isn't insecurity. Because there are women that are stronger than me. And there are a lot of guys stronger than me. But you're not married to them. Correct. But what I'm saying is, it isn't insecurity that makes me have a type preference. It is just that I have a type preference. When I was asked, when I was eight, let me finish the thought. When I was 18 years old, I was asked what my dream girl was like. Mm -hmm. You know this story already. But I said, they will be short they will be, uh, they'll have an accent, they'll speak a foreign language, but they'll understand my humor perfectly. Now, I could not, it didn't even cross my mind that there were people that spoke English and had an accent because I was so into the idea that they would speak a foreign language, which you do. So there, there are just things, mm -hmm. oh, and I said, and uh, she will either sing or draw. Yeah, but that's- Hold on, you gotta let me like encapsulate this whole idea. So that's a type. Mm -hmm. There are things in that that I'm getting some feedback. It isn't just that, oh, I have picked the things that make me feel secure about myself. I have picked things that for whatever reason I'm into. Maybe it's evolution. Maybe it's the way that I was brought up growing up in Tacoma, Washington. Not only am I in America, which is a young country, I'm on the like West Coast and the like Northwest Coast. It's like one of the youngest parts in the nation. So maybe that's why I wanted somebody that was had an accent because it was worldly. I don't know. I'm just saying those aren't, I didn't sculpt that picture in my mind out of insecurity. They're just things that I'm into. And so now, while I, once you say the word they're intimidated, then you're getting into insecurity. The idea I'm trying to put out is she's using the word intimidated as a blanket for something that isn't just that. So if the thing that I want to bring to the table is, hey, I'm really into business. And so I want somebody who's like, wow, you carry a lot of weight, that's amazing. And maybe I don't wanna carry as much weight in the parenting side. And so I value a woman that's like just way into being a parent. So now I'm like, that's the dichotomy that I want. It's not insecurity. It isn't that, oh, I'm afraid that they'll make more money than me. There are plenty of women. I make a lot of money. And there are plenty of women that make a lot more money than me. So that doesn't bother me. But when you get into a dynamic, then it's like, I need to be strong in something. So what area of the relationship am I going to carry the weight? And yes, then we get into this dance of like, what is the thing that I want to be better at? What is the thing that you want to be better at? And this was a really powerful realization for me early in our relationship that it didn't make sense for you to want to be in a relationship where you were worse than me than every, at everything. And I thought you would. I thought you would only find me sexually attractive if I was better than you at everything. And so then I was like, okay, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. That's dumb. There are going to be things where we need to both acknowledge this thing is valuable in our marriage and you're better. And so... People need to be very careful. Some guys will react negatively to this. 
out of insecurity. And it's just plain, ugly insecurity. Other guys are going to react negatively because that's the value they want to bring to the relationship. And so it becomes sexual dimorphism where it's like, not only in this relationship, do I like being bigger and stronger? That, that's a thing for me, whether it should be or not. Okay. I want everyone to let go of whether it should be or not. I find like that makes me feel good. Feel good is an angle that people need to look at instead of just writing everything off as insecurity. And I actually, and thank you for breaking that down. I completely agree, but I think that there's a little part that for me, there's a bit of a disconnect. So the art, the, the language, the accent, the humor, I get all of that. That is 100% a preference. But when I think about business, when I think about money, my mind does straight go to, it, it feels like, and it seems like it's a power play. People or a partner may not be comfortable in me as a female or on this side of it having as much independence, as much power to not necessarily rely on them. Because that's, and I understand, like for my dad, who's- can I, can I give you, that's only stressful. What's only stressful? I'm thinking through an idea. Right. I am, this is not something I've thought a lot about. Sure. I need to be very careful with that. When you say that, I'm like, no, that like, because when you went through the transition from housewife to entrepreneur, mm -hmm. it had zero percent to do with me being like, oh, wow, I'm insecure about her becoming powerful. Oh, wow, I don't have control in the relationship. I don't think you would like every normal guy, though. Yes, and that's... but the fact that I went through it tells you there's another element here and nobody is talking about it. Everybody mm. thinks it's insecurity. Mm. And if you know, mm. you know me, and I'm telling you, I struggled with that transition and it had nothing to do with insecurity. And by the way, we now exist in a world mm. where you are a formidable entrepreneur and I can tell you what I had to do to like figure that dynamic out. And it is very different than getting like secure in myself. It wasn't that. It wasn't me having to go, no, I'm still better than her. No, I still have power in these ways. It was entirely me going, hey, there's a different dynamic here from a sexual perspective. And I have to find my footing with that. And maybe we're saying the same thing, but this is actually really interesting. But I don't I, think we are. Because I don't think of you as being insecure. So that's, but that's why I think though, for you, it was actually something that you could work through. And I don't know if, because there's two different elements here. There's one, if you start dating and if you're already a successful independent person, that's actually a very different situation than this question than when me and you came from where I came in as a supportive wife and then I transitioned. So, but I think that if I was just meeting someone new, so in fact, let me back up. I don't think of you as having an insecurity in this area. So while it was something that you had to work through, I think that you could work through it because it wasn't necessarily a ding on you. It wasn't a, this will, means that you're not- I will not give you that. It's not solving the problem the way you think it's solving the problem for the person who's asked this question. So I think though that, okay, so let's just even just say date number one. I would be like, this is me. Even if there was everything amazing about them and they were just, no, I don't want to say insecure, whatever word you want no, to no, use. No, I want, I, can, can we spend, I think this video will go down in history as a contribution to the relationship between the sexes if we can get a couple things right. Yes. The first is, do we agree or disagree that some percentage of the shrinking of the dating pool for her 
is due to uh, insecurity. And some... Her insecurity? No, no, no. His. Yes. So some of the reason that she is saying like, hey, I, th I think some of these guys are finding it intimidating is because some of the guys really do find it intimidating. Correct. And they are finding it intimidating out of insecurity. Correct. Now, do we agree that some percentage of them are not insecure and they're just not into it? Yes. Okay. That's actually so simply put, which is beautiful. Yes. Amazing. So now what we have to do is figure out and maybe the percentage isn't super important, but I worry that people, I worry that women specifically are going to continue to struggle with this because they're going to write it off as, oh, it's 95% insecurity and there's only 5% people like Tom. And I'm telling you, it isn't mm. true. And I think it is wise to move through the world just for rough numbers to assume it's 50-50. Now, once you assume it's 50-50 mm -hmm. and some guys are insecure, then if you really want to play an advanced math game, you will ask, why does it make them insecure? Part of it is going to be some people are clinging on to the bottom rung. But honestly, at that point, you just find the people with the most differential, right? So it's, okay, I'm only, just to take business, I'm this good at business, right? I'm in the bottom 10th percentile. Well, then find somebody that's in the bottom one percentile. The only thing that matters is the relative difference. You don't need to be in the top you know, 90th percentile and find somebody in the bottom one. You just want a 10x difference, let's say. Mm -hmm. So that, like, that shifts up and down the spectrum no matter what you do. I don't want this to get too esoteric. There are these two things competing. If you're insecure, you simply need to find somebody who's lower than you. If it's the other part, now you get into a way different dynamic of doing the calculus. So I will say that for this video, we can, I guess, address both. We can talk about like what, what to do if the guy is insecure. Don't date them. Easy. I'm perfectly happy I with that. I literally like it, it won't be easy, but yeah, to me it's, if, if it's day one, I don't want to have to deal with a new person's insecurities. I've Word. got my own freaking insecurities Filtering to deal with. Filtering mechanism. So yeah. By all means, keep going. I was just giving a word oh, to oh, what you're saying. Thank you. Um, just so, yeah. So I would just be like, okay, date one, does this, do they get intimidated by my wealth and my success? Yes or no? If they if they do, cool. Sorry, you got to, with utter compassion, you clearly have insecurities that you need to work through or find someone that isn't actually as successful or wealthy as me. And that's totally fine. But for me, I would draw a line in the sand somewhat of being like, I'm not interested in dealing with anyone that has insecurities in this area. Because again, that's just, that's a lot of work to embrace someone that you already know from a first date. Word, I think having a filtering mechanism is incredibly powerful. Um, and that, now we get into deal with the world the way that it I'm is. I'm like getting all cozy, no, I mean, crossing my legs. This is so yeah. interesting to me. Um, and I think it is a far wiser way to move through life, not to be judgmental or to moralize mm. against other people, but just be like, okay, this is a thing. And so how do I, knowing that I'm going to use it as a filtering mechanism, how do I avoid a bunch of wasted first dates? Like if, if I were going to do online dating, like how are the ways that I would signal so that people don't even reach out to me if that's their thing, right? Um, so having to navigate that, figure that out. All right. So insecurity is... And just to be clear, sorry, I just no, want please. to add that I absolutely agree. It's like, 
have have compassion for the people that have the insecurity. It's not like, well, F you. Um, but it's just, it wouldn't be something that I would get into a relationship. Yeah, and we don't, I mean, without being harsh, we don't owe somebody making ourselves available to them when they have something they have to work through. Mm -hmm. The insecurity is a them thing, it's not a you thing. So, God forbid I die, but you will put yourself, you will instantly be in a narrow range because of your success. Well, we've even spoken about this. Not to kind of, I mean, it's not really derailing. It really is this because that's been part of like, I've, I've sadly had, you know, think, thought about it just because I'm always thinking about the worst case scenarios. Um, and I've thought about it and I'm like, well, initially I was like, I just won't tell people. Like literally, I will lie about what well, I do why? and it's how much money. It's a filtering mechanism. And the funny thing is, but that was when I first started and now I'm just like, but why would I? Um, You're just going to waste your time. Yeah. But the thing is, is because I don't defined who I am as a human by how much money I have and how much success. So Rightly I think that's so. Why. And I don't want other people to judge me. And I think that's why but they're I went... going to. But I think, yeah, you're right. Guys are judged by their height and access to resources. It's the fucking way that mm. it is. Women are judged for beauty and youth. It's the way that it is. Now, once you individualize, you can have an amazing connection, right? You could have an amazing connection with a woman who is older, who doesn't have youthful beauty, of course. But when you start looking at the data, it's just real fucking clear. So that's one of those, I mean, just is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, John Stewart recently relaunched a show and I totally empathized with him. So when he left, he had, you know, dark, I don't know how long ago he left, like 10 years or something. He has dark hair, he looks much younger, and now he's doing a new show and he's older and he's got gray hair. And so his ad was, what am I doing in a visual medium? I look so much older. And I just thought, yeah, that's a real thing. Like I fully understand doing something where I'm on camera and that's a part of my business proposition. It's like age is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I'm not gonna go around with a campaign. Nobody should judge me because I'm older. I just know you better fucking over deliver on the value so that people will look past the fact that you're older. It's just cultural vitality is always with the young. So anyway, I'm just saying there are things in life you can waste a lot of fucking time fighting against, or you can say, okay, that's a thing. And now I'm going to address my strategy based on that thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm to bring it all back around to this dichotomy. There are two things that a successful woman is facing. Again, it just is what it is. Oh God, we could really open a can of worms. I'll finish this thought and then hopefully I can bring it back around. So you've got the way that things are. Part number one, some people are just insecure. Part number two is some people just aren't into it. Those are the two things. And then the other part is once you then say to the world, Tom's crazy, you need to rail against things in society that are wrong. You need to shape society. In fact, isn't Tom trying to sway culture? So, and you could take that whole approach. The question is, what kind of traits do you develop in a man who isn't trying to toughen up, be a protector, lead in the acquisition of resources? I don't know. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse.